Well, turn with me, please, to Jonah chapter 1 and to the verses 1 to 3 that we read earlier. And let's pray. Father, we thank you for the promise of your everywhere spirit. And we confess freely that we need the help of your Holy Spirit if we are to hear you speaking to us through your word. So, Father, fill us with your spirit. Give us ears to hear, minds to understand, hearts that are ready to accept and submit and obey and respond in faith and worship. For Jesus' sake, amen. Now, it's true, isn't it, that every job, uh, every life, has some part of it that we don't like doing. Uh, at school, there are some subjects we like and some subjects we, we're not so keen on. And at, at home, there are some jobs we don't mind doing and others we would rather ignore. Like the man who said to his wife, okay, okay, I will put up that shelf. You don't need to keep reminding me every year. And of course, for, for some men and women, putting up a shelf would be a, a delight, but other things would not be so attractive. Doing the ironing, filling out a tax return, lifting the dog, dung, the poo from the grass, changing a smelly nappy, doing homework, revising for exams, visiting the in-laws, cleaning the toilet. But they're all things that need to be done, apart from the ironing, perhaps. But the same is true in the Christian life. There are things in the Christian life, there are some parts of the Christian life which are a delight, a joy and a pleasure. For example, seeing people coming to faith, seeing people being born again, coming to faith in Christ and people growing in their faith, joining with others in our worship of God. But other parts are not so enjoyable, like when people make fun of us because of our faith because of our Christian beliefs, whether that's at home or at school or at work, that's not pleasant. And it's not easy to follow Jesus in those situations or even into those situations. But Jesus has told us, has he not, time and again, that to follow him is to follow the way of the cross. The call to follow Jesus is a call to die. To die to self to die to sin, and to die to the world. And that's not because Jesus is a killjoy, far from it. Jesus knows that the way to solid joys and lasting treasures is the way of the cross. That it is in dying with Christ that we are raised with Christ to a new life, to life in all its fullness. You see, if we are Christians, we are pilgrims, not tourists. And we know that tourists, tourists only visit the pleasant, the beautiful, the attractive parts of the city or the country that they're visiting. Tourists come here to visit Loch Ness. They don't come here to visit the city dump. But pilgrims, pilgrims who are following their leader, their master, their teacher will go where their leader calls them, whether it's a dump or a delight. And if our leader and teacher and master is Jesus, we should know that being in a dump with him is so much better than being in a delicatessen without him. 
Some of you will know Samuel Rutherford, the great preacher and theologian of the 17th century, living through those turbulent years for Christians in the 17th century. And he was exiled to Aberdeen in the 17th century. About a year and a half he was in Aberdeen in exile. But he said this among many choice things that Rutherford said. He said, when I am in the cellar of affliction, I look for the Lord's choicest wines. When I'm in the cellar of affliction, I look for the Lord's choicest wines. You see, with Christ, with Christ, the dump actually becomes the delicatessen. With Christ, the prison in Philippi becomes a palace of praise. In Acts 16. Now Jonah seems to have forgotten that he was called to be a pilgrim, not a tourist. More than that, he was called to be a prophet. He was called to be a servant of God's word, a proclaimer of God's word to the world. Now we know from the Old Testament that prophets were often given a message from God for God's people, for Israel and for Judah, the covenant people of God. But very often prophets were also given a message for the surrounding nations as well. Prophecies about Edom in the south and Moab to the east. Prophecies about Babylon and yes about Assyria whose capital city Nineveh lay about 500-550 miles to the northeast of Israel. So it's maybe not surprising in some ways that we read in Jonah 1. Verses 1 and 2, that the word of the Lord, the word of Yahweh, came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up against me. You see, Yahweh, the Lord, the sovereign God of heaven and earth, he sees and knows all that is happening. All that is happening in Nineveh. And now its wickedness is so great, it's as if the smell from a rotting piece of meat has become so strong that it has risen all the way into the throne room of heaven itself. Or if you like, the the smell from an overflowing food bin. And it's a reminder to us today that God sees and knows all that is happening in this world, in his world today. He sees the wickedness of what is happening in Ukraine. He sees the wickedness of what is happening in the UK. He sees the wickedness of war crimes in Ukraine. And he sees the wickedness of crimes being committed against, for example, children in Scotland. Whether those crimes are being committed by individuals or by the government. A government which is determined to turn truth into lies and lies into truth. God sees these things. God knows about them. And God sooner or later will act. Then you might ask a question, but how does God act? How does he act? How does God act against the terrible cruelty and wickedness of Nineveh? Well, he doesn't send an earthquake. He doesn't rain down brimstone and fire. He has a message for them. It's a message to be called out, cried out. The word used here is almost a technical term for a prophet bringing a word of warning and judgment against them. It's a message 
to be called out or cried out by God's messenger, the prophet Jonah. The NIV here translates it, preach against. And you say, well, what is the Lord going to do? He's going to send a man with some words. The Lord is not sending tanks and bullets and bombs. He's sending a message. How how feeble is that? But these are no ordinary words. This is the word of the Lord. This is the word of God, a two-edged sword, a double-edged sword. This is the sword of the Spirit, a weapon which Paul tells us has divine power to demolish strongholds. No wonder, no wonder the devil is so keen and has been so keen, particularly over the last 200 years, to undermine the authority of the word of God. Because the devil knows how powerful the word of God is. He knows that in the hands of the Holy Spirit, the word of God today still has divine power to demolish strongholds. Even the stronghold of Western so-called progressive secularism. But the challenge to me, and maybe also the challenge to you, is this. In what way is God calling you and me to minister this word to the people around us? To minister the word, not just to God's people, but to the enemies of God's people. Because that was the job that God gave to Jonah. Arise and go. The word arise is there in the original as well as the go. Arise and go to the great city of Nineveh. But in verse 3 we read that Jonah arose. Again the word is there in the original. We read that Jonah arose. And you might expect to go to Nineveh. No, he arose and went to Tarshish. To run away from the presence of the Lord. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa. Possibly down from Jerusalem. Literally downhill from almost 3,000 feet down to the coast. He possibly received the commission from the Lord in the temple. We don't know. But he went down to Joppa on the coast. Where he found a ship bound for Tarshish. And after paying the fare he went down aboard. The word down is there again. He went down aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord, from the presence of the Lord. Now, some of you will have heard the story before, but it's a true story, and I'll share it again. 35 years ago, 35 years ago, I was asked to take on a certain job, a certain task, a certain responsibility, and, and I was afraid. I was fearful. I didn't think I would be able to do it. I was a medical student at the time and I was worried I would not have the time to do it or if I did do it my medical studies would suffer. I prayed about it but I didn't have any peace and I still didn't want to do it. So I did pray. I prayed to the Lord, Lord if I'm doing a Jonah by not taking on this job, by refusing to do this then please show me. And after praying, just some time that same evening, as far as I recall, after praying, I went from my room in the, the uh, student accommodation down to the common room where the TV was. This is the day before phones, mobile phones and laptops and TVs in everybody's room. There was just the one TV in a common room. 
And at the end of the news of 10, there was a, a short religious reflection called Witness. And the speaker was speaking about Jonah. And I was stunned. And I thought, well, there's your answer, James. The Lord has heard your prayer and answered it pretty promptly and directly. But I didn't like the answer. My flesh, my sinful nature was desiring what was contrary to the Spirit. My will was clashing with the Lord's will, which he had made pretty clear. So what did I do? Well, you need to stay tuned for the next episode. <laughs> you can't download the whole box set. Just now, I'll tell you later in this message. Now, you see, the thing is, Jonah, and I think we can speculate this on the basis of God's word, Jonah was happy with his lot. He was a successful prophet. We saw this earlier when we introduced the Bible reading. He had prophesied a good news message for Israel during the reign of Jeroboam II, 2 Kings 14, verse 23 to 25. But now the Lord is calling him to do something he doesn't want to do. To go to Israel's enemies. To leave his comfort zone. To go into the lion's den. Remember this is happening before Daniel has lived. So he's not had the chance to read about Daniel. He's been called to go into the lion's den. To cry out. To call out. To preach against the wickedness of the Ninevites. Which was a stench in God's nostrils. It would be like a preacher from Ukraine going to Moscow. Or a Protestant minister, a Protestant Presbyterian minister in Belfast being asked to leave a comfortable, flourishing church to go and bring God's word to the Republican nationalist stronghold of the Falls Road in West Belfast. And I'll come back to that. You see, it's easy to do God's will when it agrees with our will, isn't it? And I know I've quoted Philip Reichen before, but I'm going to do it again because it always strikes me very powerfully. If we do God's will only when it agrees with our will, then we are not really doing God's will. We're doing our will. Isn't that true? And Philip Reichen goes on to say, if you want new life in Christ, you must adopt God's agenda and throw away your own. And we sang that. Did you mean it? Did I mean it as we sang it? All of my ambitions, hopes and plans, I surrender these, all of them, all your ambitions, all your hopes, all your plans to be laid on the altar of Christ. For the sake of Christ. Well Jonah. Jonah did not want to adopt God's agenda. He did not want to throw away his comfortable life in Israel. He did not want to let go of his comfortable faith. And the Lord was asking him to place his comfortable life. And his comfortable faith on the altar. The Lord was asking Jonah to die to his reputation and to his popularity. And Jonah could not see that by dying a death to self and going to Nineveh with God was better, far better than refusing to die to self and going in the opposite direction without God. 
without God's blessing. Uh, Colin Smith has uh, written a book on the, uh, on the prophet Jonah. He says this, If you enjoy what God has given you now, you will not find it easy when he calls you to something new. The more comfortable you are, the harder it will be. If you enjoy what God has given you now, you will not find it easy when he calls you to something new. The more comfortable you are, the harder it will be. And that's why I sometimes say it is hard to follow Jesus when things are going well. It's hard to follow Jesus when things are going well. Well, Jonah went down to Joppa, down from Jerusalem, down to the coast, down to the harbour. And would you believe it, there was a boat sitting, waiting to go to Tarshish. It was as if the Lord was saying, it's okay, here's a boat, what a wonderful providence. But the ship was not evidence of the Lord's guidance or the Lord's approval. It was, in fact, another test for Jonah, just as the original commission was a test of his obedience. Here was a test. And as Sinclair Ferguson has rightly said, do not be guided by providence or circumstances when you are refusing to be guided by God's word. Do not be guided by providence when you are refusing to be guided by God's word. Do not be guided by circumstances. Do not even be guided by your conscience when you are refusing to be guided by God's word. Oh yes, God can use circumstances. And I've shared a story where he clearly did that with me. God can speak to us through our conscience, but only in keeping with his word. If the circumstances are tempting us to disobey God's word, if our conscience is saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace, then these are like ships for Tarshish. There are opportunities for disobedience rather than for blessing. Well, it was while Jonah was disobeying God's word that he found the ship heading for where his disobedience was taking him. And uh, there's a great story, another true story from Spurgeon. When Spurgeon was a boy, uh, there was a boy in his class, a fellow schoolmate who used to lose his temper pretty regularly. And whenever this boy in the class got angry, he used to throw things. But Spurgeon says what struck him most forcibly, that whenever he got angry, there was always something at hand to throw. (laughs) Always something available. And to bring you the next episode in my story from 35 years ago, when I was asked to do that job that I thought I couldn't do, that I was fearful of doing, and even when praying about it, and even when seeing that circumstantial prod from the Lord I also found a boat to Tarshish and sadly like Jonah I too went down and got on board despite everything what was the particular boat that I boarded well the boat that I boarded was what I did was I asked several people for advice And I asked different people for advice until I found the person who gave me the advice I wanted to hear. 
You will be too busy to do that job. Okay. And I got on the boat to Tarshish and ran away from the place of disobedience. Well, unlike me, unlike me and unlike Jonah, the minister of a large, comfortable Protestant Presbyterian church in Belfast has obeyed God's call to go to the Falls Road, to take the word of God to the other side of the sectarian divide, to plant a church in the very heart of Republican and the nationalist community. And if you know anything about Northern Ireland, which is where I'm from, in case you don't know, uh, if you know anything about Northern Ireland, for Protestants, the Falls Road is enemy territory, at least for many. And what's interesting about that, and I think I'm right in saying, is, is the kind of opposition he received from members of the congregation where he was. Because I, I hope I'm right in saying this, but I think his first point or first plan was to try and do something from that church into the falls, but no. Spirit of Jonah. But you see, my brother in Northern Ireland, my Christian brother who has been obedient to this call, he, he knows, as Jonah should have known, the truth of Psalm 139, which we read earlier with the souls. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, if you are there. If I go and live and work on the falls road, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, even there your hand will hold me fast. Fast. And you see, Jonah would discover that to be true as he tried to run away from the Lord. But my brother in Belfast knows that to be true as he follows the way of the Lord. as he follows the way of the cross, the way of Jesus. A pilgrim, not a tourist. You see, as Christians, we are called to follow the one, are we not, who is greater than Jonah, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And how we worship him and how we bless God that unlike Jonah, when Jesus heard the call of God to leave the comfort and splendor of heaven, to come to a world filled with his enemies, a world that would reject him and ridicule him and mock him and beat him and crucify him. He didn't run away. He didn't run away to some heavenly Tarsus. He simply said, here I am, I have come to do your will. Here I am, I have come to do your will. For us, for you and for me and for our salvation. So Jesus brought the message of God's gospel with him. In fact, he was and is the message of God's gospel. So that we, like the Ninevites, living under the shadow of death and judgment, might come to live under the shadow of the Almighty. Was there ever love like this? Or mercy? 
How could we ever reject such a saviour and salvation? Amen. There's a prayer I've adapted from C.S. Smith's, sorry, Colin Smith's book. And I think it's printed somewhere in the order of service on page 10. So if you want to, you can, I can pray it or we can pray it together. Lord, make us less like Jonah and more like Jesus. Save us from being the kind of people who care more about our comfort, our reputation and our success than we do about the people you're calling us to serve. Help us to keep all our dreams on your altar and be ready at all times to respond with faith and obedience to your call. Amen.